So when we come to sit in meditation like we are now, we have to struggle with many differences, many hindrances in the heart. And actually we've had to um, struggle against many things ever since the time that we were born. And it's not um, easy for us to be able to come into this life and to make it to the age that we are now. Um, We've had to overcome a lot of difficulties, a lot of obstacles. So just to be able to open up our eyes once we're born, a lot has gone into that, that our mothers, um, when we were in the womb, um, tried to help us and tried to protect us. And they were willing to even sacrifice their lives for us if necessary. So when we chant the uh, Karaniya Metta Sutta, um, the Buddha speaks of this, that we have the same loving kindness um, that a mother has for her only child, wanting to protect that child, wanting to keep it safe. We try to have that kind of kindness for all beings. And so mothers do have this loving kindness in their hearts, a heart that is benign and full of goodness. And even though during the time of pregnancy, there's a lot of obstacles, a lot of difficulties, they endure with all of it and have to bring up great forbearance. Though they may experience many emotions in their heart, go through a lot of suffering, a lot of hardship, Um, they don't allow that to overcome them, even though at times they may feel disheartened or discouraged. They struggle against all those things until the point of birth, because they have that longing, that deep desire for their child to be able to open up their eyes and experience this world that deep yearning for their child to have a body that is complete. And so they're willing to go through all these difficulties um, to allow their child to come into this world. So children have to pass through many difficulties as well. And uh, the reason that we're able to come into this life is also because of the merit and the skillful deeds that this child has done previously. Because many beings who are born into the womb, they die there in the womb, or some die during childbirth. And many people are born with incomplete bodies. So all of this requires um, struggling against difficulties. And uh, once we are born and we have a life in this world, we have to meet with many difficulties as well. And so both the mother, the father, and the child, they have to experience all of this. Um, But they do have the sense of effort, the endurance, forbearance with all of the um, hardships and all of the sense impressions that they have to experience. And it's common for children to have the wish when they're younger 
to be an adult, they think that it will be very easy then because they won't have to rely on other people so much. They'll be able to gain some degree of freedom and they won't have as much difficulty as they do. And it's also uh, difficult um, for the parents as well. They have this wish for their child to grow up and that comes through the kindness and the compassion that they have. And sometimes they have so much kindness for their child that they're willing to give them everything they ask for. If they have money or whatever they have, um, they're willing to give it to their child. And it may be that when their parents themselves were younger, they had to really struggle. They had very difficult lives and lives that were lacking many things. And they don't want for their child to experience that same suffering that they experienced. So they determined that they'll give their child everything that they can. And whatever their child asks for, they just give it straight away. But this itself brings up problems because their child doesn't develop any degree of immunity or resistance to the difficulties in the world, that they just get whatever they want. And in the end, um, they end up with very weak hearts, hearts that aren't able to be strong in this world. And the expectations they have from life is that they'll just get everything that their heart desires. Their mother and father were able to get the money that they had because of the goodness that they had created in the past and their barami, and because of um, the effort that they put in in this life as well. But the child doesn't know that. They don't, they haven't experienced that. And um, they don't know what it's like to really work for money and go through the difficulties that their parents had to. They don't know the suffering that their parents had uh, right at the start when they were trying to um, establish their lives in this world. So Lumpacha said that it's not easy. And... Um, but sometimes we can be heedless about this. And I myself uh, was very heedless as well. There was a time when we were building the Ubosato Hall at Bodnambapam, and Lumpucha told me to get some stones. And so I went uh, to do that. So in gathering these stones, it took me half an hour to get just a handful and I thought that this is just a waste of time, that there's surely a much better use of my time. And I'm not sure whether Lubucha could understand the thoughts going on in my mind or not, but he came over and gave me a Dharma teaching. He said, Anan, these stones, they weren't born here, you know. And um, he didn't give any further explanation. But actually, this teaching, it was a very sharp um, and witty teaching. I didn't understand it much at the time, but after having thought about it and contemplating, um, I think I've gained more of an understanding that those stones came about through the faith, the faith of the laity. 
those people who offered them. Um, they had to have faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And also the Lumpur Cha, um, that he had to be there, and he had to practice to the stage of becoming fully awakened, uh, following the path that the Buddha had laid down. So for those stones to come about, there needed to be a lot of faith there. And if um, <clears throat> that conviction was absent, then we wouldn't be able to have got those stones. So it's just like for the people who have come to this monastery. If you didn't have faith, then you wouldn't have been able to have made it here. So the reason that you can come is because of the conviction that you have in your heart. And many people even come from overseas. And the reason that they're able to reach here, this monastery, is due to the faith that they have in their hearts. And also they have a lot of merit as well. They can come from so far away. So people come from all over Thailand and from all over the world. And uh, they do this through the faith that they have in their hearts. So in our lives, we have to pass through many obstacles and difficulties. And it's the same when we come to practice as well. So when we come, we're taught about uh, generosity and making merit through donations. In order to do this, however, we have to pass through the attachment that we have towards our physical possessions. Uh, there also has to... Um, we also have to come in contact with the teachings of the Buddha and uh, to know um, the benefits of generosity as he taught them, what goodness and what benefits sacrificing gives us. As we do this, we find out for ourselves that when we give our external wealth, it turns into an inner wealth, this noble wealth that we gain in our hearts. So faith is one form of noble wealth. And so too is the generosity that we have. And through doing this, our hearts feel at ease. If we have a lot of money, but we're attached to that, and this can become a cause of suffering because we're very cautious around it. We're afraid that we might lose it. And so it turns into a source of sorrow for us. So when the Buddha taught Yasa, who was the son of, born into a very wealthy family, he started off with teaching him about dana, about generosity, and the benefits that this gives us. That in this life, we lead a very complete and full life. And in the next lives as well, we meet with good things. So just like if we're traveling through a very desolate landscape, um, we need to bring provisions with us. We need to be able to eat and drink something. And if we run out of those provisions, then the traveling gets really tough. So some people, when they're born into this world, they meet with great difficulties. There are those who have everything provided for them as well, but they're very few. 
And uh, the reason that they have so much is because of the karma that they have created in the past. And they had to go through a lot of difficulty to create that good karma. But with this practice of generosity, we don't just give away all of our possessions either. We do need to keep a portion of our wealth to know a sense of balance in this too. If we can reach this place of balance, then our lives will be very smooth. So the reason that we are generous, that we give, is for the cultivation of our hearts, for the development of our minds. So there's a lot of uh, difficulties and obstacles we have to pass through um, in this practice for generosity. And it's the same too with sila, with virtue. And when we go to keep the five precepts, if our minds don't have much energy, then it's a very difficult practice. So like the last of the five precepts, that of not taking intoxicants, um, some people find this really tough. Um, not drinking alcohol, not doing drugs. We see that when we do consume these things, then our minds are lacking or devoid of mindfulness and wisdom. So the reason that some people in this life have very little mindfulness and, and wisdom is because of not having kept this fifth precept. It works to distort and destroy the brain, and so there's no clarity in their minds. All of the hindrances um, really flood the mind when we consume alcohol or other forms of intoxicants. And so the mind just can't get into a state of samadhi. It's not able to keep that state in the mind, and any samadhi that we once had deteriorates. There was a monk in the time of the Buddha who had very great psychic powers. Um, the special abilities of his mind uh, were supreme. And he was even able to defeat a very nasty and powerful naga. When the villagers heard about this act of his, um, that he could overcome this naga, they gained great faith in him. And so they decided to make offerings to him, and what they offered was liquor. So as he was walking on arms round, he received one drink after the next, and he drank it as he was going. And in the end, he was completely intoxicated. Um, he didn't have any mindfulness left. And when he got back to the monastery, he lay down. And uh, the Buddha was there, but he pointed his feet right at the Buddha. So the Buddha remarked, well, look, this is someone who had very high samadhi. But when he is drunk alcohol like this, he doesn't have any mindfulness at all. So the Buddha then laid down the rule um, the forbidding the monks from drinking alcohol. The rule that he laid down was a pachitya offense, um, an offense which requires uh, us telling another monk in order for it to be absolved. But in this current era, 
um, the world sees a monk um, as consuming alcohol and sees this as being something that's very bad, something very inappropriate. And so if any monks, at least nowadays in Thailand, are found consuming alcohol, then they're forced to disrobe. So the maintaining of our virtue is something that's very important. It is what allows for our mindfulness and samadhi to come to a state of fullness. So it's normal for most people to be on the level of a patujana, just a run-of-the-mill person. And in the state, they're humans, uh, their bodies are human, but their minds aren't. So we need to have sila and these five precepts as the foundations of our hearts, as the principles that guide our lives. And when we can keep these uh, five precepts fully, then we'll see the benefits they give us, the benefit of inner happiness and joy. And we also understand the dangers of becoming intoxicated. And we see it's very common for people who get drunk, um, to get into accidents. Maybe they drive a car and they end up dead. And they can kill many other people as well, or make many people crippled. And this is all because of their consuming alcohol. But when they keep these five precepts, um, then these things don't happen. And it gives great benefit to our lives and to others too. So the results of virtue our happiness and peace. That we, or when the monks give the precepts, then uh, at the end they say, sila na sukhatinyanti, that sila is the cause of happiness, and sila na bhogasampada, and that sila brings us great wealth. And so in this life that we've gained, in the world, the virtue becomes the causes and conditions for us to experience peace and coolness. And so there's the last one, sila na nibutanyanti, that sila gives rise to this coolness. It helps us to develop until we reach nibbana, and this inner nibbana in our hearts. We see, however, that if the mind is always proliferating, if it's constantly giving rise to a narrative that's based upon craving, then we'll experience many emotions that will produce us, uh, produce love and hate and fear. Many different kinds of things will come up in our hearts. And if we see these and then <clears throat> and understand them as they arise, then it's okay. But if we don't notice them, then the mind goes and follows them. And the emotions and our hearts blend together into the same thing. And at this point, it's not possible for samadhi to arise. So now, while we're sitting in meditation, practicing for the cultivation of samadhi, we should bring our minds to a suitable object. So we place our attention on the breath as it comes and leaves, and we can also recite the word Buddha as well.
And sometimes, as we're doing this, we may have no idea what's being said in the Dhamma talk, and that's okay. Because our minds are peaceful, they're staying with the word Buddha. And the reason for these teachings are for our minds to reach peace and to stay with this word of Buddha. So when there is peace in the mind, um, then we may not know what's being said, and that's okay. As we cultivate samadhi, we need to pass through the hindrances. So there's the hindrance of um, delight or craving for sensual pleasure. There's the hindrance of aversion or of hate and uh, the others as well. So we must try to keep our minds with just one meditation object. We can use Buddha, Dhamma, or Sangha. We can contemplate into the body and maybe take up just the bones as that object. And we can look at the teeth, um, and these are bones as well. And as we contemplate, then our minds can reach a state of peace, and they gain this internal energy. And when they're in a an energized state like this, even though they may experience impressions from the six senses, they'll remain unshaken. And this is because they're firmly established in samadhi. So when they have peace, um, then these sense impressions arise. But our mindfulness and our samadhi act to protect our minds from these sense impressions. So we see that there's great benefit that comes from samadhi and great benefit that comes from sila as well. Uh, but what we gain from samadhi is even more than virtue. In developing generosity and charity, we need wealth to do that. But in giving our forgiveness, we don't actually need to have any money. It's the same with virtue. It doesn't take any money to keep the precepts. And with bhavana, the mental cultivation, we can do that anywhere. As we practice in this way, then the peace in our hearts starts steadily to develop. So... Some people uh, want to make merit, but they feel like they don't have enough money to do it. And Puchar said, well, just keep the precepts then and cultivate your heart. And this is something that we all can do. So you can take up the precepts, these five precepts, and determine to keep them for your entire life. Determine to be firm uh, in taking the three refuges to have these, this triple gem uh, constantly there within the heart. So this year, we're already halfway through the rain retreat, and so time has passed very quickly. And we should all be very intent uh, in our practice and keeping uh, these precepts. And some people have made the determination to keep the five precepts throughout the entire rain retreat. You also come here very often to offer food and to meditate. And all of these become nourishment for our hearts. So even though externally we may have a lot of wealth, 
But if our hearts are lacking the Dhamma, then they're not bright. They become very dry. And just like a forest where there's been no rain falling for a long time, the trees are very withered. But if rain falls, then they become green and fresh. And it's the same with our hearts. If our hearts have goodness, if they have the merit of dana, sila, bhavana, of generosity, of virtue, and of inner cultivation, then they'll become very fresh. And they'll have wisdom as well. They'll be able to see that the attachments that we have lead us to suffering. And in seeing this, we're also able to gain the wisdom that allows us to resolve this problem. Our hearts then turn into the level of uh, Kalyanachan, a good person. And as we carry on with the practice, they develop into a noble being. <clears throat> so everyone here is able to practice in a way that they'll um, understand the Dhamma in this life, that they can reach purity in their hearts within this life. So we should all uh, try to do this, try to practice, to realize this inner nature of awakening. That we're able to have the faith to come here and to practice like this. It didn't arise easily. The Buddha had to build up his parami through many, many lifetimes. And for him to come and teach us the Dhamma, it's no easy thing. For his teachings to reach us to this present day, it's also not easy. There has to be the arising of the awakened Sangha and this lineage of uh, awakened teaching, awakened teachers that's reached us to this present day. For them to uh, realize awakening it was no easy matter. They had to go through many, many difficulties in their practice. They had to be willing to sacrifice their own lives, willing to become the food of tigers, willing to experience fear to the degree that they thought that they may lose their minds. But they passed through all of these things. So the efforts that we're putting into our practice, the endurance that we have, it's no small matter. Initially, when I began my practice, I thought that it wasn't really a big thing. I would hear um, teachers say that this was really something important that I was doing, but I didn't think of it in that way. But now that I've come to contemplate it well, I can see that this is really something important that we're doing. The developing mindfulness giving rise to wisdom. Um, this all happens because of the meditation that we are going, that we're undertaking. It's able to arise because we're willing to be with these difficulties and pass through them. So we've had to go through many hardships in this life already in order to be able to reach this point, um, this age that we have, we had to pass through many obstacles. And sometimes illness arises, and that's just something normal in life. And it's especially so nowadays with the COVID pandemic that's spreading around the world. 
we don't know, or sorry, this COVID uh, virus, it isn't um, interested in who anyone is, um, that anyone is able to get it, and it's managed to change the entire world. Everyone needs to be very cautious nowadays. But sometimes when we have a friend who's going through illness, even though we understand it's something normal, still we say things to give them uh, encouragement. And so one of the centers in India, one of the monasteries that joins us every Friday night, uh, they have many novices there who have contracted the COVID virus. So they have this faith, they come and listen to the Dhamma regularly. And so I told them that, um, you know, if you do a lot of chanting, um, then this will bring you great benefit. And I wish them safety and protection from this virus. So many people, many of us who are listening, have had to pass through great difficulties. It's the generation that had to go through World War II. There are the different pandemics that have passed um, through this world in the last century. And uh, we had to go through these difficulties. And we weren't heedless. Um, and so now, having, uh, still having this life, then we try to live it heedfully, try to build up uh, merit and goodness and keep um, persisting and enduring with the difficulties that we have, and both the obstacles that we experience externally and those within our hearts as well. And the main obstacle that we experience internally is that of wrong view, and trying to change that over into right view, trying to see that this body is really not self. And if we do that, then we're able to see into the Dhamma, we gain this clarity of truth through perceiving this body as being inconstant, stressful, and not self. So may all of you grow in blessings. <laughs>